from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report, where we count down the top 10 things of the week that make us go wow. Wow. I am Fenton Bailey, co-founder of World of Wonder, joined by our invincible team of James St. James, editor of the WOW Report. Woo! And our chief creative officer, Tom Campbell. Hello, hello, hello. As a reminder, you can watch WOW Report for Radio Andy on our YouTube channel, which includes lots of extra content and the bits that we have to cut out in time for the show. Um, happy St. Patty's Day to anybody who celebrates that. Um, what? Yes, James, it's St. Patrick's Day today, Friday. Yay. I had no idea. Why have I not? I mean, like, am I in a media blackout? Why am I not seeing this? Has the leprechaun not been in your bathroom? Your <laughs> no. water I don't want to brag, but I am coming to you from Auckland, New Zealand, where yesterday was St. Patrick's Day. So I'm coming to you from the future. I know, it's like we're in different time zones. That's right. Um, all right, let's start with the countdown. Number 10. Tom. Number 10. The Oscars are back, everybody. Huge ratings jump. No one slapped anybody. I did not watch them live because I'm in Auckland, New Zealand, as previously stated. It's always interesting to see these things from afar and like have them come through your feed instead of being in front of the TV like I usually am. There was a lot of really warm moments. I mean, it drags like everything else, but there was some really, and I feel like the whole everywhere, everyone, all at once, everywhere, a go-go, packed a lot of emotion, starting with Jamie Lee Curtis, which I know Nepo Baby is an evil term, but the reason that we have Nepo Babies is because we like Nepo Babies, because we like to know their story, because we know her mom and her dad. It's like she grew up next door to us in a weird way. And she has just been such a weirdo in the best way and just so open and sharing everything. And mm-hmm. she pointed out that that whole cast had all kind of, their careers had all been derailed or, or definitely turned away from Oscar consideration because they all did genre movies, horror movies and, 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 you know, Encino man and bond girls and, you know, I, I'm such a sucker, maybe it's because of my age, whatever, but just the idea of not just becoming famous, anyone can be famous these days, or so it seems, but the longevity and the stick with itness. And that's where the Oscars, which don't really matter, by the way, because um, there's no such thing as a best actor, best director, or best picture. It's a popularity contest. But it's nice to see the old guard, the castaways, the outsiders join at the popular table. That's what uh, the Oscars meant to me this year. What do you guys think? Well, I love what you're saying about the popularity contest because I do think the way you wage a campaign as one of the nominees is so critical. And Jamie Lee Curtis was flawless. I mean, this was her best role yet. The campaign that she, very subtly, it wasn't over. It was very uh, inclusive and generous and self-deprecating, but wise. I mean, it was... It just made me fall in love with her, you know? Yeah. She's a good egg. You know, I was not on board with everything everywhere all at once. I didn't really like it that much. But having said that, I was not mad at any of its (laughs) awards. 
Jamie Lee, Michelle Yeoh, Kai Hui Kwan. I just, I cried with all of them. I thought it was spectacular. I, um, Brendan Fraser, I didn't like the whale, but I like, I'm, I, I've loved Brendan Fraser since school ties. I've loved him since Encino, man. I've been with him every step of his career. So I cried with that. I mean, every single one of these awards I was there for, I really, I was, I, I loved all of it. I just thought it was a spectacular show and I, and it was done really well. It was just everything about it made me happy. Yeah, it's weird when that happens and the ratings went up. Like, how do people know? They just knew. Just the, the whole world came together a little bit. Why did the ratings go up? That's what I don't understand. Because it wasn't like the show was sort of scintillating. Do you know what I mean? Well, no, no, I, guess- I do think I do think a lot of people felt the underdog element this year, and I think it had a very big, wide, worldwide appeal. Where you know a, a, something like Everywhere All at Once, you know, it, it has such a diverse cast, and and it, people felt included this year in a way that they haven't felt included in a long time with Oscars so white. Yeah. You know, I mean that whole yeah. thing, and so it it did feel like it was it it had opened up its brand a little bit. And we're going to talk more about the Oscars throughout the show, but I just want to give one hats off to Lady Gaga for the quick change from glamour Lady Gaga to face. I want, I want to see her uh, her makeup wipe where she went from that to no makeup. And, uh... <laughs> How did she do that? Yeah, yeah, God bless her. She did look beautiful, though, in the black dress. Yeah. She looked fantastic. Well, you can anyway. catch the Oscar cast on uh, streaming on Hulu, right? So. Yep. And we'll come back for more Oscars in a bit. Okay, let's move on to number nine, James. Number nine. Number nine, I watched Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris on Amazon Prime. Okay, I don't know if you know this book. It's It was a book in like the 1960s, I think, 60s or 70s. And then it was a, a made-for-TV movie with Angela Lansbury. I watched that with my mom many years ago, so I tear up when I hear that title. Go it's on. sort of a beloved semi-classic. It, um, it stars Leslie Manville as Mrs. Harris, and she's a middle-aged war widow who's a house cleaner in 1957 London, and she's never had a day in the sun, and she's never had a bit of luxury for herself. And she's cleaning this rich woman's house, and she comes across a Dior gown, and she realizes that in order to be happy, she needs to possess a Dior gown. And so she scrimps and saves and scrimps and saves and scrimps and saves and scrimps and saves and finally goes to Paris and shows up unannounced at the house of Dior and says, I'm here to buy myself a gown. And of course, everybody makes fun of her and laughs at her and they're all very snooty and everything. But by the end of the movie, she's saved Dior from bankruptcy. She's gotten the workers to unite. She's gotten two people to fall in love. She's made lifelong friends and she gets her Dior gown. And as I'm watching this, I'm think such as the power of these movies is I'm thinking to myself, I know I too am a lonely old woman who has never been in the sun, who has never had a bit of luxury for myself. I understand Mrs. Harris. Of course, that's nothing like me at all. But I do have to tell you very quickly. Yeah. Are you wearing a Dior t-shirt by any chance? No, no. But I was going through a Mrs. Harris moment these last four months where I had found a jacket at Neiman Marcus that I needed. I needed it more than life itself. And I went and I put my debit card on it, okay? 
And what it wasn't, it was a pre-order, so it wasn't going to be available until March. This is sort of a convoluted story, but I'm going to try and do it very quickly. If put, if you if it's a pre-order, you put your debit card on it, and it holds the money in your account, but it doesn't take the money out. Okay, so it's you have a hold on it. So if you go below that amount, I started getting overdraft after overdraft after overdraft. So I took the debit card out, and I put my Visa card in. By the time I did that, they didn't have it in my size anymore, and I was destroyed. Okay, so I went to the the designer's website and ordered it there, and I got it. And then a couple of days later, they said, "Oh, we don't have it in your size anymore." They sold it out. So I wrote to Neiman Marcus and I said, "If you get it back in my size, please let me know." Well, as I was watching, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris at huh? eleven o'clock on Friday night. I got a, a text from Neiman Marcus saying, James, we got it in. We have it. We found it. We found it for you. And I thought, well, yeah, I'm having a Mrs. Harris moment. And so I've got the, I've got the jacket. You and it's coming it. my way. It's being sent to me as we speak. Have you received it? I haven't. I get it tomorrow. Fingers crossed that it's the right size. And I know, right I know. Size. If it's not the right size, I'm going to have to get another one and sort of stitch them together. It's just a whole. Forget about the Oscars, James. That is the magic of movies right there. You just, you just summed it up. <laughs> I literally, I became Mrs. Harris this, this week. And James, if you need a little bit of money for food or something, come to me. I, I know you probably are a little strapped. I, I am. I, you don't know how expensive this, this jacket was like a year's worth of salary. <laughs> Anything you need, let me know. I'm, I'm here to help. Well, that's Mrs. Harris goes to Paris streaming on Prime Video. And I guess if you watch it, you could, you know. Uh, pick your control item, I guess, before you watch it. Right? <laughs> you know, but it really is. It's a. It's a very moving. It's a wonderful movie, and I. It's. It's something that came and went in the theaters this year, and not many people saw it. But it, but give it a shot. It is. It's very good. In the the one the TV movie with Angela Lansbury, it was pronounced Mrs. Aris goes to Paris. Aris goes to Paris. Yes, they, 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 put, the they put an A apostrophe. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right, number eight. Number eight. I was, you know, I get into bed and I start to scroll. I scroll through Instagram. I scroll through Facebook. I check out Matt Drudge. You know, it's, it is indeed doom scrolling until I'm ready to go to sleep. But I had a bit of a miracle moment, um, speaking of Mrs. Harris, because what happened was I was scrolling away and I came up on this posting uh a sort of fundraiser, and because that's what happens, you know, you hit on Facebook fundraisers, like send money for this or that. And it was for something called the Queer Book Bus. Now, you know, I mean, the library is open, but we can't take it for granted. In fact, I think there's an article in the newspaper today about librarians feeling under attack and school districts across the country in the in the last year, have removed something like 1,597 titles. Like, this banned book shit is a real thing. And so I found this queer book bus, and I thought, oh, what's this? And I clicked on it and what have you. It's organized by Eric Savini, who bills himself as author, historian, and homosexual. And he is the author, and I think, James, you've talked about this book on the show before, the Deviant's War, which was a Pulitzer Prize uh, finalist. And it's a book about the, the story of America and Washington, kind of like sort of the, not the act out moment, the kind of 
the pushback against the governmental shaming of homosexuals in the 50s. And it sort of charts the legal battles overcoming the sort of extraordinary amounts of prejudice of every kind of aspect of the government and Washington and society. A New York Times bestseller. James, I'm sure you've read this book, haven't you? No, in fact, I'm looking at him right now, and not only is he very cute and very and, and a really wise, wise man, he's wonderful. Yes. But um, I have read the book, and he also has a website called um, I, it's like Queer History or something. It's, queer it, right. Well, here, here's the thing. So he's not just an author. He yeah. has this website, shopqueer.co, which is like an independent bookshop, but it's an online bookshop. So it's a great deal for queer authors. But he also, there's more. He also is the executive producer of The Book of Queer, which is a um, a series that was on Discovery Plus. I missed it. I'm going to go back and watch it apparently last year. I Did saw you? that. Yeah. Oh. It was pretty good. Yeah. I think it's like four episodes and it's kind of funny and it's it's oh. good. He also runs an online course called Queer History. But finally, most importantly, I'm getting to the point, they have this idea him and his boyfriend, who is also a drag queen, live together in L.A. And they have this idea to do a queer book bus and they're raising money. And they've they've raised one hundred and nine thousand of the one hundred and fifty thousand dollar goal. Yeah. And they are going to go on the road once they reach their goal. And, and we'll put the link up on the wire report so people can donate because every little bit helps. They are really bravely going to go on the road to all these states that are banning books, banning drag queens, and spread the queer literary word. I, I mean, that's a brilliant idea. That. Awesome. Yeah, he, he's he's a really interesting guy. I I think he might have a podcast as well. I'm not yeah. sure, but well, he um, doesn't. I, what? <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have a podcast. It's no, true. You know, he and his boyfriend they're absolutely adorable together. They're, they're it's a really good cause. They're they're just they're 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 good eggs. They're good people. I love That's it. That's right. And okay, I I know that you come from a very sincere place in mentioning this, Fenton, but I just want to throw out a very crass idea. Maybe World of Wonder could pay to wrap the bus in a screen age by Fenton Bailey. Tom, I thought you would never. Yes. Well, you know, I did give them some money. I could because I actually do love those Facebook things because it's very seamless and quick. You can give money, and I guess at night I'm in a more generous mood or something. I've had a couple of gin and tonics. Good to know. I guess right. That's when we hit them up. That's when we hit them up, Blake. Benton, I need your suit, please. Because I was the 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 less good part of me was thinking, oh, screen age. Yeah, I feel like such a horrible person now. I'm buying for myself, and you're out there saving the world. Oh, no, trying to sell my book, James. Too. I'm still the only immoral one here, as far as I can tell. Maybe Blake. I don't know. He's off screen a lot. I think before this. Moral interrogation continues. We should take a break. <laughs> Blake, have you got a question? I sure do. Um, remember how in the early aughts they were releasing quarters that represented each state? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's one quarter from 2004 that it has a little defect on it, and it's now worth $6,000, some of them. Which state is it from? Okay. Which state has the defective quarter? 
That sounds a little wrong, doesn't it? Well, we'll have the answer right after the break. You're listening to Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. Fenton here with Tom and James and Blake with... Oh, well, actually, Blake, before you do the question, just want to remind you all that Drag Race Belgique and Drag Race Zverige streaming now on Wow Presents Plus. So Belgium, new episodes are on Thursdays and Sweden, new episodes on Saturdays. That's on wowpresentsplus.com. All right, Blake, you had a question for us. I did, I did. Um, We all know, remember how in the early aughts, they released state quarters, quarters that represented each state. One of these quarters from 2004 has a defect on it. What state is that quarter? I had a bad guess. Um, It's California. They spelt it with a K. I'm getting nothing, people. Nothing. I think it's probably the most effective state we have, and that's Florida. I was going to say Florida, too. Or Tennessee, right? <laughs> it's actually Wisconsin. They're, Why? What was the defect? On the back of, they have, like, a, a block of cheese and, like, a corn husk. And the corn husk has an extra, like, leaflet. So if you have a 2004 Wait, quarter. Corn, corn husks only have a certain amount of leaves, is what you're telling me? Well, on... No, on the quarter, they're supposed to have, you know, two or three, and there ha- there's an extra one. Oh, like, and that makes it... And that I makes thought... it $6,000 if it has the extra corn husk. I'll be danged. I'm very okay. dubious about coin collecting in general, because I, I saved a lot of coins. My dad bequeathed me, like, um, mint sets from my entire life, and they're worth nada. Anyway... <laughs> I have all these um, quarters that I've already put in, you know, the rolled up. And now I'm going to have to unroll them and see if I have the $6,000 quarter. Oh, wow. Yeah. Were all of them defects? No, No, I guess not. Not, And and they said that they think someone inside the mint might have done it. Like intentionally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's it. All right. (laughs) We're counting down the top 10 things that made us go, well, we've reached number seven, Tom. Number eight. And we're back to the Oscars. Um, Again, just because I was alone and I needed to watch with anyone, I wasn't part of a pool. I really want to bring this up to hear from you guys. But what did you think of the fashion, especially Mr. James St. James, fashionista, Dior connoisseur? Well, I'm glad you mentioned this. I, I happen to have some notes here. <laughs> um, I do want some of the best dressed. I do think I, I love Jamie Lee Curtis's outfit. I thought it was age appropriate. I thought it was she looked beautiful. Um, I don't know if you saw Cara Delevingne on the red carpet. I think she was best dressed hands down. Austin Blake, uh, Austin Butler looks so dapper. I just I can't get over him. Paul Mescal, who was also nominated for Best uh, Male, uh, he looked very dapper as well. I don't know if you saw Halle Bailey, who is the new um, Little Mermaid, looked beautiful. Angela Bassett was just stunning in her purple Kristen Tiriano. Um, The worst dressed, I have to say, was... um, that woman who was sitting in the the, the audience yeah. with the giant bowl on her head, who obscured everyone's view about like twenty people. What was her name? Thames. Yes, 
she sang what was the song from um uh something i she, she was a singer <laughs> But it was just, how dare you? How dare you decide to wear something that nobody, like, did nobody tell her, go sit in the back row? Did nobody say you're obscuring my view? It was just the rudest thing I've ever seen. What would be brilliant and maybe a drag race runway challenge is that would have been great if it had then gone, broop, like, you know, yeah, if she could. Exactly. If, if it, was, then... it was adjustable or whatever. Yeah. Yes. I also don't know if you saw Hunter Schaefer um going into the vanity fair party and she had a feather across her nipple. Yes. I like that. Yes. It's good. I don't know whether I love that or whether I was shocked and appalled. I don't I don't know. Suddenly I was like a, my my grandmother. I don't know. I I I, I was shocked. Too many people are still into this nudie thing, and I'm not being a prude. I just think it's unflattering to have a see-through gown with your underwear underneath. Am I well, I, it's if if we talk about the um the woman who inter who interviewed uh Hugh Grant, it looked like she was wearing a pair of Spanx with some glittery fabric across. That's Ashley Graham, plus size uh, Sports Illustrated. Yeah. I love Ashley Graham. I do love her. I thought the outfit was atrocious. I'm not a fan of the see through, and again, no for no prudish reasons. I just think it it takes the eyes in all the wrong places. Exactly. You know, it, doesn't make your, your, it doesn't make any shape because Ashley has a beautiful shape and a beautiful body. But What was Lady Gaga's dress when she was walking the carpet? And, and uh, you know, when the photographer sort of threw himself on the floor? Oh, she was wearing like a black satin ball gown skirt with sort of... Um, what was it looked skirt? like her, her uh, skirt, it looked like she was sagging. You know, oh, like you when you sag your pants. Oh, that's funny. Like she was like a, a hopper. Yeah. yeah. Someone said if you watch the tape when he got up, he put his hand on her ass. Oh, that was so silly. He he was he had fallen. She was helping, and like she was like she was looking at, angrily at the person who had pushed him. She wasn't looking angrily at him. Everyone was trying to make a, a no, huge he deal a out of it. On her side, like yeah, thank you who, very much. You know, I, he's an old man. He was, he was being helped up. He gave her a pat. Like nobody right. was angry. Imagine how disoriented was he was in that moment to think that he yeah, had some. Exactly. Like, it was a tempest in a teapot. Everyone going bananas yeah. on, on him. Okay. Bless his heart. All right. So that's Oscar's fashions. You can stream on Hulu and see more and see for yourself on the champagne pink carpet. That's what I have to say. That is a weird color for a carpet. It was. That did not work. It looked like a moldy white or like cheese yes. colored or something. They didn't want to do red because it triggered. They were worried it would trigger people in sight. You know, well, more I action. thought it was because it finally allowed women to wear red dresses. You could never wear red on the red carpet because you would become one with the carpet. And you did well, see a lot of people wearing red this year. Well, they should have like a red carpet and a gold carpet. You come depending on what you're wearing. But I got to tell you that beige, that champagne carpet was awful. Can you imagine the cleaning up afterwards, all the spotting and whatnot? Oh, oh. yeah. Maybe they just oh throw it in the trash. I know, I know, I know. Oh, okay. They Nine. shouldn't. They shouldn't. <laughs> I know, right? Wastefulness. Yes. Maybe it was made out of... Anyway, okay. Number six, James. Number six. Uh, if if you're a prude, turn away now because we're going to have some frank talk here about oral sex. Um, oh, good. I'm here. I'm a prude and I want to talk about oral sex. Let's go. <laughs> Diplo, DJ Diplo, who cutie patootie Diplo yeah. was uh, on a podcast this week and they were talking about Bill Clinton and the infamous blowjob. And he started talking about blowjobs and he said sort of apropos of nothing, he just sort of blurted out, you know, 
I'm sure I've gotten a blowjob from a guy before. And the podcaster said, you don't know? And he said, well, she said, do you not know or are you just not going to commit to it on camera? And he said, well, you know, the thing is, it's not gay if you don't make eye contact (laughs) with the guy. So he's saying that he's had blowjobs from guys before, but as long as there's no eye contact, he wasn't doing anything gay, which, okay, girl, if that's, if that's what you think, then more power to you, whatever. But it made me think that it's out there somewhere. There's some queen listening who had given him uh, oral sex and he just, it was so unremarkable that he doesn't remember it or he doesn't want to acknowledge it. Maybe Um, he went on. What? It's a glory. Maybe it's a glory hole. In a well, that, that could be. Nice. He then went on to say um, uh, that he's not not gay. Uh, and there are a couple of guys out there that he would date uh, life partner wise, that he would have guys for life partners. But it's not so much sexual as it is just sort of a vibe that he gets with them. Why does that make so much sense to me? I get, yeah, I'm I'm not mad at him for it. I, people were were Twitter went bananas over these comments and showing every little thing. But um, uh, you know, I, I do it. I did, again, this speaks more to my. But like, the older you get, you know, I, I was so driven by sex at one age, and now I'm not. And it's like, who knows who you would end up with or who you'd be with or you're married and you co-parent and like, but you don't, you know, like who knows I'm, I'm for all of that. I love when people are honest uh, or at least tantalizing, tantalizingly honest like Diplo was about his uh, sexual adventures. Why not? Yes. Diplo is on the Diplo. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been working on that one? Honey, I've been saving the whole segment. He was sitting on that one for a long time. I'm done. That's it. I got it. (laughs) Number five. Number five. This past week, I was at the South by Southwest Film Festival. It's not a film festival. It's it's a mega festival. It's something like 10,000 events. And um, one of the things they did when I went, I went to this restaurant called Arlo Gray. Now, Arlo Gray is run by chef Kristen Kish. And Kristen Kish is the host, presenter, the, 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 the star of a new series from World of Wonder, uh, directed by Jeremy Simmons, that is coming on uh, Nat Geo and Disney Plus next week. It's called Restaurants at the End of the World. And as the title suggests, Kristen goes to a restaurant at the end of the world. Like, she goes to... Uh, an old abandoned radio station inside the Arctic Circle in Norway, or she goes to the cloud forest in uh, Panama um, on these extraordinary adventures to these amazing restaurants. So that's restaurants at the end of the world. But what I hadn't realized is that Kristen Kish, who is, well, she's a top chef winner, right? I think that was her sort of breakout moment. Then she was the co-host of Iron Chef, and she's also been on fast foodies i have to admit i haven't you know i haven't seen all these shows but she is so incredible and she actually has this she owns this restaurant arlo gray but here's the thing she most chefs like you know a wolfgang park they have a whole chain of restaurants Kristen just has this one restaurant arlo gray and it's in austin texas and i have to tell you i have never put anything more delicious 
in my mouth, Diplo's dick notwithstanding, <laughs> than the food she killed. It is this, what, it you, was what like, kind of food it is it? Mouthgasm after mouthgasm after mouthgasm. And I went with um, Billy and Nolan. And I was so excited to introduce Nolan to Kristen because Kristen is a... Uh, she was adopted from South Korea and she taught herself to cook. She grew up in uh, Michigan and she combines very street foody dishes, I guess, you know, but does them in a really oat cuisine way. And that could be hypey, but they're so fantastic. I, I was just going to ask, like, what, what is the genre of food? What, what, what is it? What is it? Well, it's, it's like she mixes a Korean with some Michigan uh, I think she did her training in Boston. So it's 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 all very eclectic, but really delicious. You know, like some high-end food can just be sort of ridiculously frou-frou. But she yeah. does burgers. She does steaks. She does dishes you know, but unlike anything you've tasted before. It's It, it was absolutely, I, I get a little emotional just recounting. It was the most incredible meal. And I'm really not a foodie. Um, and then added bonus was that she was actually there at the restaurant and so kind and generous and comped us, comped us the entire meal. I was like, oh, oh that makes it taste oh. really good. <laughs> it, mm. Well, that did. <laughs> that only came at the end, right? <laughs> Don't you wish I ordered dessert now? Don't you wish? Um, but but are you going to talk in your next segment a little bit more about South by Southwest? Because I want to hear about you and Jonathan Van Ness. And you, we will hear more. Yes. More coming. Yes. More coming. Okay, good. Okay. I just want to, um, with no spoilers, with, no spoilers with the show, Restaurants at the End of the World. But imagine going all that way and then they don't have anything you like. You know what I'm saying? It seems like, a, I wonder if that ever happens in the show. No I really only like cheeseburgers with mayonnaise only. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so don't go to Norway inside the Arctic Circle for your for your food. <laughs> Not the best mac and cheese. Tuesday, March twenty first. That is restaurants at the end of the world on Nat Geo and Disney Plus. And I have to say, Jeremy did an amazing job. I mean, they were it was all filmed during COVID, so they were like traveling around the world while tra- while quarantining, while trying to remain safe. Dealing with, you know, polar bears. I mean, the whole thing was an, an epic undertaking, all right? Jeremy is a true artist, a true director, and an Emmy Award-winning one. So I can't wait to see the series. Marvelous. One more break, then. Blake, have you got a question? I do. Have you guys ever heard of the birthday effect? Mm-hmm. All will be revealed after the break here on The Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James and Blake. We're counting down the top 10 things of the week that made us go wow. But first, Blake had a question for us. Yeah, what is the birthday effect? Every year when you have a birthday, you're one year older. Uh, they come faster and faster the older you get. Yeah, the birthday effect. You have one every year. Uh, it's actually because you're mo- more likely to die on your birthday. Do you want to know why? No. Because you're depressed uh, no. and you... 
Uh, suggested mechanisms for the effect include alcohol consumption, psychological stress relating to your birthday, increased suicide risk, terminally mm-hmm. ill patients attempting to hold on until their birthday, and increased mm-hmm. mortality salience or a physiological cycle that causes the body to weaken annually. Well, very often you hear about people, you know, like George Burns, I'm going to make it to 100, I'm going to make it to 100, and then they make it to 100, and then they let go. Right. I would have also thought that there was, um, that more people died during the holidays from Christmas to New Year's. Oh, I'm like, sure that's a thing, too, yeah. Yeah. But- Blake, that was the most depressing trivia question ever. Read the room. We don't want to hear about getting older and dying, okay? Hey, if we were having a little too much fun here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's get back. Actually, I suppose this is thematically on point to number four. (laughs) Number four. Now I see what Blake did. Um, We're back to the Oscars. There was um, a, uh, the in memoriam section, which I have to say with all the Oscars did right this year, they did that badly. And, And for a couple of reasons, they had the right idea. Uh, out came John Travolta to the music Hopelessly Devoted to You, and he spoke. Now, I'm going to be mean to John Travolta. I don't mean to be because he spoke about Olivia and John, and he ended his speech by saying that we're so lucky to work with people, love these people, and become hopelessly devoted to them. And the first person on the memorial was Olivia John, who is in the highest grossing musical of all time. Um, what? And But they had Lenny Kravitz sing a song called Calling All Angels, which was really love Lenny Kravitz, especially when his pants split, but um, it wasn't that good. And they left people. It's, this is so easy. Memorializing people who have passed that we all, or many of us, different groups of people have connection with is so easy to milk and make dramatic and make, and they mess it up a little bit every year. James, you have the list, but all I can think of, by the way, is they should, instead of this calling all angels song, which I'd never heard before, they should have played hopelessly devoted to you or Irene Cara also passed they could have played fame did they mention Irene I don't know if they did they did they did okay um I do want to the list sometimes it's weird (laughs) because a lot of people um like Cindy Williams did not make it and Cindy Williams of course was in American Graffiti Graffiti but she will also she you know that the the thinking was that she's going to get something at the Emmy at the Emmy memoriam. So they they thought maybe, you know, she's more famous for Laverne and Shirley. Um I but do want to images say- from those movies are seared in our brains. And if you show her in that movie in a clip with some effective music, you're it's just everything they want at the Oscars is you to feel. And it's a moment of feeling and connection and collectivity. That is lost. Please continue. Yeah. Uh, Paul Servino was not mentioned. His daughter went online saying she was very upset about that. They're like a million movies. He's a movie actor. Yeah, a, a journeyman actor. Fred Ward. Topol from, uh, you know. Fiddler on the Roof. Fiddler on the Roof. He was also in my favorite movie of all time, Flash Gordon. I mean, like, you know, like, how can you forget Topol? Anne Heche did not make the list. Tom Sizemore, who, you know, I mean, Love him or What's hate him, whatever. He he is, you know, was in Full Metal Jacket. He was in, you know, all, I mean, he's been in a lot of big, big movies. Um, Pat Carroll did not make it. She will probably be in the Tony Memorial. I'm thinking. Um, Pat Carroll, who was the voice, voice of, of Ursula. Ursula, yeah, 
in, and, in and in so many movies before that, by the way, she was one of those comic people that was in every Doris Day movie as like a secretary, you know, like yeah, just in everything. Yeah, um, very uh, a, a big um, uh, very upsetting to me was that Charlie Dean was not mentioned, and Charlie Dean was in Triangle of Sadness. She was the the hot model in Triangle of Sadness. She died the day before the Venice Film Festival. She or Cannes Film Festival, I can't remember which one. She never got to see the movie on screen. She's in an Oscar nominated movie and they forgot to put her in. You know, I mean it's it but that they, they to me must is not egregious. Forget they must make these choices and I just think they're stupid choices. Yeah. You know what's missing and you're gonna think I'm crazy, but we memorialized her on the Wow Report and thank God for us. Carol Cook. Lucille Ball's best friend and oh, Don Knotts yeah. wife and Mr. Like, why wouldn't you show a clip? I'm also like a Turner classic movies freak. So I want to see everybody in their prime, you know, in the role that made them famous. And like a living in John, he says, help us see the photo. John Travolta's is there. And they put a picture of her. I don't know, from 10 years ago, she's a lovely woman her whole life. Show us a living John in Greece and remind us the magic of the movies. I, I don't think it's omissions. I, I don't feel like it's oversights. I feel like they, Someone makes really bad decisions. And I don't know why this makes me so upset, but it does. It's true. You know who they should ask? Matthew Redman, who does uh, boy culture. He always yes. he is so good at acknowledging when anybody yeah. in the film industry has passed away from the 20s on, you know? Yeah. But you I know. think there's a thing called like Google you. that we could do right now that says what celebrities died in 2022, 2023, and we'd have a, a list. A better list. Yeah, a better yeah. one. Yeah. Well, you can catch up with the show, uh, the Oscars, that is, on Hulu. Um, But I think thematically related, we're going to move on to number three. Number three. Yeah, you know, this is is one that um, uh, I had offered, a subject that I'd offered to Tom. He said, no, I'm not touching it. You do it, James. Um, Robert Blake passed away. um, And um, people are divided on social media about whether or not you are allowed to even talk about it or post about it. There is a certain type of tweeter out there who says he murdered his wife. Like, why are you talking about a murder? And that drives me bananas because that's like saying we can't we can't examine anybody's we can't examine hitler because he was a bad man like you don't have you don't have to pass a purity test in order to be acknowledged when you die and the fact of the matter is is that robert blake led an incredible life and when you just look at some of the things that he did in the 19 30s he was in our gang little rascals our gang our gang he worked as a child with wc fields he has memories of working with wc fields how many people alive today can say that wc fields who famously said never work with children or animals and he was a child working with wc fields like what is what is your story about that in the 1960s he was mesmerizing in in cold blood I mean, he's one of the great performances of all time, nominated for an Oscar. Truman Capote had a crush on him right there, right there. I want to know, like, tell me your experience about Truman Capote crushing on you, like working with Truman. I mean, that is incredible. He was in Beretta in the 70s, which is a moment of zeitgeist. Don't do the crime if you can't do the time. Don't do it. Thank you. Yes. And then in the 1990s, he is in 
one of the creepiest classics of all time, David Lynch, Lost Highway. He has the creepiest character ever put on film, and it is the creepiest scene you've ever witnessed in your life when he whispers, I'm there right now, and your blood runs cold and you get the goosebumps. It's just, it's an incredible, incredible moment in the movie. And, and that so, also has a really good soundtrack. Just it, it does, it does. But so, I mean, yes, he, in all likelihood, he murdered his wife, and that's a whole documentary right there, and that's a whole, you know, six-part Netflix series in the making but all these other elements to his life it's it's worth you know he he probably <clears throat> was damaged from an early age because of the hollywood system because you know in the in the the drugs and everything is a result of all that and you know and and that right there is worth examining as well so you know and you're like you don't have to be an apologist but it's an amazing life that he leaded he also was found not guilty i can't remember the circumstances at the time we were following every beat of it but yeah, um, yes, but, <clears throat> but no, I mean, I mean, he did. I mean, so is you know OJ Simpson. He, so let's let's you know. But but they but there's a system, and he got through it. I, I was a little bit of a sicko because I used to love Vitello's anyway, and that's the restaurant where he his oh, wife yeah. was murdered outside of. But I, you know, you used to go to Vitello's. They torn it down and put a new building there now. But the old Vitello's, which was very red booth, you'd go to the Robert. You'd you'd ask for the Robert Blake booth. Well, it's like when you go to El Coyote and you sit at the Sharon Tate booth, you know. I know, I know. I know. We're, we're such old. We really are. So you think he should have been included in the Oscar in memoriam? I don't see why not. I mean, he was a part of Hollywood. Did he die before the Oscars? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he absolutely <laughs> should have been included. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's yeah. It, that's, again, great Oscars this year. The in memoriam, it just seems so easy to fix. And Robert Blake... Uh, I hope your wife is greeting you in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number two. Number two. I, I want to just continue on a little bit and share a bit more about the South by Southwest mega festival. Um, I was there to, um, I was so touched that Jonathan Van Ness um, from Queer Eye and many other things and a series we made called uh, um, Getting Curious, which is based on his podcast. Jonathan Van Ness very generously and kindly agreed to do a Q&A with me about Screen Age. So, you know, this festival is huge. They, they do like a thousand panels about new book titles, you know. Um, but Jonathan was really funny and engaging. And um, I, was, I was a little, um, you know, I mean, I, I feel it's a little... I, I should be asking him questions, not him asking me questions. You know what I mean? And it was like... Just he's such a perpetually combusting this, this book thing down quite have you. That's this. You, this is your moment to shine, Fenton. I know, you but I'm to, I'm naturally modest and retiring. Like this, is this is your moment. But he was in a fabulous green dress, looked gorgeous, was so entertaining, had the room in hysterics, and it was just a real pleasure to be there. And then there was a little book signing that we did afterwards. Um, the other thing um, that happened was it was the premiere of Billy's film, uh, Fry Bread Face and Me, um, got great reviews. And I have to say, I, I'd seen different cuts of the film, but this final, the final version was just, I hadn't seen it. I hadn't seen it on a big screen. And it was so, it was so funny and so moving. And I think, you know, I'm just saying that because I know him really well. And, you know, we parent Nolan and Elliot together. You know, I kept on checking my bias, I suppose. But I'm sorry. It was effing amazing. And 
that what I loved about it was that the crowd just lo they loved it. They laughed and laughed and laughed. And then it, it becomes genuinely, profoundly moving. Um, one thing I will share is that <laughs> the Q&A, Billy did a Q&A with the cast afterwards, and Elliot put up his hand. Um, and at first, Billy didn't call on him um, because in the film, Nolan has a, a walk-on role as a pickle seller. He sells pickles. He's got one line, would you like to buy a pickle? And uh, <laughs> uh, buys a pickle. Um, Elliot puts up his hand, it's finally acknowledged. And his question is, I just want to give a shout out to the pickle boy. <laughs> Which is just so sweet. Elliot's like, hey, <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. But it was- ben, I think you're aware, but I just want to reflect back on you that you've had the most amazing week between this restaurant experience, I'm not making fun, right. between you know the Jonathan Van Ness and your book tour, and then being able to see Billy's movie and to have that feeling with your family. Like, yeah, that's an epic, epic week. You have a wonderful life to begin with, but that's an epic week. It, well, it, you know what? It was, a, it was, Tom, you just said it so right, and you're giving me goosebumps because it was an epic week that actually began with you and Tharen in New Zealand and Rue. I mean, that was gorgeous too. And then AJ McLean from the Backstreet Boys just popped by the studio. <laughs> I mean, it was it was, it was was just an extraordinary week. And, and then um, being here with James and I is just the cherry on top, right? It definitely is. I am like over the, you know, it's sort of orgasmic, you know, frankly. The, the, the thing is very often at these film festivals and in just festivals in general, you never know it, what kind of audience you're going to get. And, but I found that sometimes that when you get a good audience, they are the best audiences you will ever experience. Like it, it, a good audience at a film festival is just yes. one of the most, it's such a business. Thing. They're there to, to see film. They're there yes. because they love the art form and, and, and they have, you have their attention. Yeah. And they are appreciative and they, they give it your all and they laugh and they applaud. And it's just yeah. so great. And actually, James, I think that's a really, really good point because it does actually remind you that I know it's been a week with the Oscars and, you know, all this talk about the movies, which sometimes can be a little bit over, you know, too sentimental. But this movie and that situation with that audience, it becomes an interactive experience. It isn't just the movie on the screen. It's everybody in a in this moment of togetherness. And I have to say it was it felt very healing. I mean, um, yeah. I'm going to get too emotional now because Billy's mum and dad and brother were in the audience. And I mean, this is a film that's very candid about his background. It's not strictly autobiographical, you know, it's just, sort of, you know, uh, things are sort of inspirational points. And, but it was so, it was very healing. That's what the beautiful thing about it was. It was really, it was just wonderful. It really was. Well, if I may quote uh, Oscar winner Nicole Kidman. Tragedy feels special in a place like this. I fucked it up. What's the quote? What's the quote? Totally not what she says at all. Heartache <laughs> feels good. Heartache feels good. <laughs> I used to be so sharp. You guys knew me when I was sharp. Remember when I was sharp? When I could piss off like Well, let's take one more break. And let me just take the opportunity to remind you that Screen Age and the audiobook is released on March the 28th here in the States. And um, just last night, I don't have time to talk about it on the show, but last night I was in San Francisco and the Lady Camden did uh, an introduction and I got Q&A'd by Randy. 
So um, I have to tell you, you haven't been Q and A'd by Randy in years. Q and A sponsored by House of Love cocktails and mocktails. So a wild time was had by all. Anywho, um, yeah. Well, and you'll be break. at you'll be at Book Soup on the twenty eighth with Michelle Visage here I in LA. It. That's right. and then Strand in New York City on April twenty seventh with Ronan Farrow. Oh my God. I mean, I'm just going to explode. I'm going to squeal with excitement. Mm-hmm. Um, let's take one more break. And when we come back, the number one thing this week that made us go wow. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to Wow Report. Fenton here with James and Tob. And we've reached number one. Uh, the number one thing this week that made us go wow. Number one. We're back to the Oscars uh, one last time, and then we'll let it go for another year. Uh, but, and I think James came up with this title, but was Hugh Grant rude in the pre-interview of the Oscars, or was he just British? <laughs> Discuss. I, my outrage knows no bounds, but let, <laughs> I want to hear from you both first. Oh, well, I don't know if you guys saw the clip. I, I sent it to you. As I was yeah. watching it, I went back and taped it on my phone because I was so just, I, I, I had I'd never seen anything like it before. Ashley Graham, plus size sports uh, illustrated model, Ashley Graham was doing uh, on the red carpet interviews and she stopped to Grant and he just could not have been nastier, ruder, drier, more um, uh, dismissive, um, everything she asked, you know, uh, where did you get your suit? I, uh, my closet. Like, I don't know. You know, like, would you have a favorite movie? Favorite? Why would I have a favorite? Like, no, no matter what she asked, he, she, he just shut her down time and time again. And it was the most cringeworthy, awkward, nerve-wracking interview I think I've ever seen in my life. And Hugh has a tendency to do this. And sometimes he's funny, and sometimes it's very, you know, British, you know. But this just came off as as mean-spirited. Did you guys watch it? What did you think? Point, counterpoint. I I heard about it first, you know, and then I saw the clip because you sent it to me, and I loved it. I don't know why. Just because everyone is so busy eating everybody's ass and saying the right thing. <laughs> Everyone's a blogger. Everyone's on the edge of their bed going, hey, you guys, I'm going to tell you about my sandwich I'm eating. So when Hugh, slightly cranky, now you can make the argument he shouldn't have gone if he's cranky, but he went and they just did not connect. They do not yeah. come from the same circles. And at one point she said something about, you know, what do you think it's tonight? And he said, well, it's like Vanity Fair. And he's talking about Vanity Fair in terms of the original, you know, phrase and the Thackeray. Uh, he's talking about Thackeray. Yes, Becky Sharp. Yes. And she's like, "Oh yes, the Vanity Fair party, so much fun, miss." Now, you know, offense. And then she's, and then she tries to like, so, so who are you wearing? He's like, um, "Who am I wearing?" He goes, "I'm wearing my suit." She goes, he goes, and I can't remember my tailor's name, and, you know, and and she goes, "Well, you were in um Glass Onion." He goes, "For about five seconds." She goes, "Did you have fun?" He goes, "All right." I mean, it was, and he rolled his eyes at the end. But I mean, I want more of that because that wasn't deeply mean. It was just sort of a clash of cultures. And on the Oscars itself, he had a funny bit with uh, Andy McDowell. It was nice to see them back together again, where he said that her face was the product of wearing moisturizer and looking beautiful, and his was like a shriveled scrotum, having never worn. <laughs> and so I don't know. Also, he's so handsome; he doesn't have to have a personality. Right. 
Well, you know, I was at, I was uh, I am going to drop this now. I was at uni with with Huey. We were we were kind of friendly, and he, he's always had this marvelously sort of droll, dry approach that can be seen as a little bit cunty, maybe if you were. But um, James, I have to ask you both. I mean, do you think rude or British? Do you think the British are rude? Is that I just want to get that out here, right? Um, yeah, <laughs> like. Why do you have you never have you not existed in the past thousand years of of British rudeness? Everybody knows the Brits are just the nastiest twats on the planet. <laughs> Maggie Smith in Downton Abbey. I need we say more. <laughs> yes, you're dry and you're droll and you're snappish and you're rude. <laughs> you're dismissive. You're haughty. You are. I mean, you're the worst people. And, 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 and everyone knows this. <laughs> the French, the the French are snooty, and the the British are just downright rude. <laughs> well, I'm sort of fifty fifty. I thought it, I thought it you fifty fifty. <laughs> On the view of whether Hugh Grant was being rude or not, oh. I'm fifty. I thought, I thought you were being fifty-fifty if you're rude or not. <laughs> uh, by the way, I'm like Diplo. I'm not not gay. Okay? I, have a, good, not right. not I have a good gay. idea what you think, James. As of now, I mean, I'll I'll just go away and try to put my pieces <laughs> of my life back together. But I thought it I thought it started off as one thing, kind of droll and funny, and then I do think it kind of went south. And I think that the Vanity Fair Thackeray in one direction, yeah. Vanity Fair the Mag. Seem to be the breaking point. Right? But, so, but, but listen, to poor Ashley's credit, I mean, to in, in Ashley's corner a little bit, I think anybody who is dropping Thackeray on the red carpet deserves to be clocked. I mean, like how pretentious is? I understand. I got the reference. I know Van. You know, and um, you know what is the to get to Vanity Fair, you have to go through the slough of despond. What is that from the Pilgrim's Progress? I mean, if you're if you're mentioning these things on the red carpet, you deserve uh, to be, you know. Yeah, he was playing a different game, but I don't think he went there to destroy her. I think it was just a kind of fabulous failure. And the weakest thing, and we have to wrap it up, but the weakest thing is, is the weakest headline now is like, Twitter explodes over. That's the laziest headline. It's like, yeah. Twitter goes crazy. Twitter does this. It's like, have a point of view, writer. Anyway. Mm, mm, that's so true well that is all we have time for this week um thanks for tuning in to the wow report on radio andy sirius xm previous episodes are on our youtube channel wow presents you can catch up about all these items and more on the wow report and thank you tom thank you james thank you blake same time same place next week until then go out and do something that makes the world go wow